Praise God. Praise God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you as your word declares in James that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Father, we thank you for every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift. Lord, there's a saying that when life deals you lemons, make lemonade. Lord, but every good gift comes from you. And we don't always understand the situations we find ourselves in. But Lord, we thank you for your word that trains and teaches us. And your spirit that guides us. And angels camped around about us. Lest we dash our foot against a stone. That every day, Lord, every day, Lord, that when we wake, when we wake, he that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. And Lord, all we have to do is ask, Lord, that we build our day around you and not you around our day. And oh, how our situations will change. So, Lord, on today, we ask, feed us, Lord, feed us, feed us, feed us, Lord, again. I will not say feed us till we want no more because we will get full and we will get fat and we'll stop eating. But I will say, Lord, feed us again and again in Jesus name on fertile ground. Amen. So I start off by saying this, that uh, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So I will say many men will say that, you know, that their wives are the cream in their coffee and all this other stuff. And I will say that, what time is it? It's 1130, 10:31, October 17th. I married an onion. You asked, somebody, somebody asked me, why did I marry an onion? How did I marry an onion? Because if you look at an onion, what, what color is an onion on the outside? It has that real brown color. And look, at, look at her skin color. Isn't it the red, that real fine brown? Yeah, there you go. But on the outside, it's real tender. But on the inside, it's real tough. She's a real tough woman on the inside. She's tender on the outside, but she's tough on the inside. And then I also learned that the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I understand as I get to know my wife more and more and we work together in ministry, that the favor of God is like the layers of an onion. And God is continuing to peel back those layers. And I find more flavor and favor as we season our marriage and the ministry together. And more than that, that onion makes me cry every now and then. <laughs> so I married an onion. So we're going to the word of God on the day. <laughs> this is the last one in our ser sermon series, Living Disciples. And I encourage each of you. Ex even those who are watching uh, on social media, 
always bring some type of device or a Bible, written word or a device where you can um, read the word of God for yourself and get a pencil and paper or something and write and take notes. You may not be able to find, especially if you're using a paper Bible, you may not be able to find the scripture right when it's called out, but go back and read the scriptures. Do not take the man or woman of God's word or their words for granted for whatever they're saying. I heard a message not that long ago, and I'm telling you, the speaker had the people pumped, and they were going, and I w- I'm telling you, I was hyped. I was like, man, go, 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 go. And a few days later, I went back, and I read the story that they were telling, and I'm like, he wrong. It's, it sounded good. But they embellished on the word, and they were, and I was like, it was a good message. But they went off because they wanted to pull the people in. So go back. Don't take Robert Spady's word for it because I might do something, you know, kind of add a little something in there to kind of pull you in, bait you and switch it. So please take notes and go back. Rightly understand the word of God. All right. Because in the end, God's going to say, well, what did you know about my word? Well, Pastor Robert said, <laughs> and he's going to say, well, where, where's Pastor Robert? I don't see him. All right. So in the, in the living disciple sermon or message, and again, this is the last one. My topic for the day is simply going to be. What did God tell you? What did God tell you? I'm the youngest of six kids. But when God gives something for you to do. But, 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 mama, 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 no, 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 no. I don't care. What did God tell you? There's an old English word that can be taken back several generations translated and I want to ask this question pointedly to everyone in here it may be embarrassing to some and maybe not so to others but I want to ask this question which is translated in English has anyone in here ever gotten a spanking okay has anybody here ever got a whooping Plenty, okay. But at five or six years old, we did not understand the instructions of go sit on the couch until I tell you that you can get off. Or stay right there until I tell you you can do otherwise. It did not make sense at the time, but there was a reason behind those instructions. Things our parents told us to do did not make sense, but later on in life, Somehow or another, they all came together. I don't have all of these scriptures I'm going to give you. Um, there are just too many to read, but I'm going to give them to you. And again, go back and read them for yourself. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 12, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, it lists the names of the 12 disciples, the 12 named disciples, because we talked about before that there were many disciples, but there were 12 names. Of the 12 named disciples, 
Only a few of them went on to do greater things. But these were the 12. Now, how many of you have ever heard the term synoptic gospels? Okay, the synoptic gospels. They are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the synoptic gospels because they tell similar tales. And I use, excuse me, accounts. Let me, don't say tales. (laughs) All right. Similar accounts of the gospels. But then there is John. Now, some people who want to dispute the Bible or the word of God will say, well, why do you have four men telling the same accounts? Well, why do you have witnesses? Why do you have witnesses? Because if there is a crime, you always have more than one witness. When you go to court, you have more than one witness. These are more than one person giving an account that give more than one point of view. So why do we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke telling one account and John giving another? It's because Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell of, and I, and I want to make sure I say this right, they give an account talking from the time that John's, from John's uh, beheading up until, excuse me, from, uh, I want to make sure I say this because I know, all right, they pretty much skip from the time that Jesus comes on the scene till after John's beheading. Only John, in John chapter 2, talks about the miracle at Canaan or where Jesus turned water into wine. The first three Gospels don't talk about that. John chapter 2 talks about the Samaritan woman or, as we know, the woman at the well. Only John in chapter 11 talks about where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Only John, none of the other Gospels, Talk about Matthew, the disciple whom Jesus loved, or Mark, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Only John refers to himself, never mentions his own name, but he says um, in 13 and 19, he records the the disciple whom Jesus loved referring to himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved. But each of these disciples were given specific assignments. But to whom much is given, much was required. So we're talking about what Jesus told them to do. And for whatever reason, God chose to give some disciples greater assignments and more records to do, we don't know. Thaddeus. Who ever heard of Thaddeus after he's mentioned in the Gospels. Any records of it? Probably not. So my first point is this, and I will be reading for all of my scriptures, I will be reading from the New Living Translation. And as I say before, there's so many different translations, but if we follow along, we'll all end up at the same place. All right? I'm going to read a lot of verses, but I'm only doing this to make a point. All right? It's going to be very simple. So my first point is this. You need to know God's discipline for your life. Know God's discipline for your life. Because what? 
I'm a man and you're a woman. I'm black, you're white, you're Asian. I was born in one generation, you're born in another. I was born in Virginia, you're born in California. Either way, know what God's discipline is for your life. So let's start off in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. And I'm, I'm going to be reading, again, a lot of verses. And the reason why I chose New Living Translation is, even though I prefer New King James, New Living Translation makes it a little bit easier to understand. A familiar story for some, but for others it may, ne- may be new. Now, Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down to Beth together to Bethel. And the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and said, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course, I know, Elijah said, but be quiet about it. So now there is a break and we're going to drop down to verse uh, seven through twelve. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as because there's a redundance of of what was going on. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. And when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken away from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along, talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two of them, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of of Israel, and they disappeared from sight. Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Can you imagine seeing that? He asked, what do you want? He wanted, and as the King James says, a double portion of your anointing. And when you ask for it, you got to be ready to receive it. He asked for it. He had to be ready to receive it. A double portion. And he said, well, if you want it, you got to be ready. And you have to be here when I'm taken up. (laughs) 
but it doesn't end there. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. Remember the 50 men? Now, now think about what, what God has called you to do. Now, in the word of God, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, there are some general things. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord. And God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't separate men from women. But then there are some specific things. There are some specific things. So let's look at verse, let's, let's look at verse 16. Sir, they said, just say the word. And 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. See, they don't know what's been going on. Because you can't tell everybody what your discipline is. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elijah said, don't send them. Don't send them. Next verse, please. But they kept urging them until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but they didn't find Elijah. Gee, I wonder why. Verse 18. So Elijah, who was still at Jericho, went and returned and said, didn't I tell you not to go? <laughs> because what did God tell you? It's like, y'all can do what you want to do, but I know what God told me to do. I know what my discipline is. God told me, and, and I'm just talking in general. I'm not talking about Robert. God told me to go to college. But does God want me to go to TCC? Does he want me to go to ODU? I need to seek God. Because, you know, you see these articles about, well, which colleges party the most? Oh, I don't want to go to that college because I know I like to party too. Well, which colleges most likely will accept, you know, my GPA? Or which colleges offer the best teaching degrees? I need to seek God for myself about the specific things because we deal in it. It's like, God, I want a car. And I love my sister-in-law, and I've been hearing stories about this house that she inherited from her aunts. And I heard about there's this old car that was sitting in behind her house. And she was living in Florida at the time, and that she had been paying people to go in little by little and restore certain parts of her house. And then that at some point, oh, somebody must have went back there and stole that car and sold it for scrap. And I'm like, man, because I, I was like, maybe one day I would have gotten that car and little by little I would have restored it. 
I finally laid my eyes on that car. That car ain't nothing back there but like a dashboard and a piece of metal. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's nothing to it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but we have to know what God wants us to do specifically. God, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. If we're saying, God, I want a car, and God's like, well, there's a car right there. It's like, but that car don't run. It's like, you asked for a car. <laughs> you want a car that runs? That's what, you, that's what you need to let me know. You want a car with doors on it? Yeah, God, I need a car with doors on it. It's, you know, it's getting cold outside. <laughs> I need heat. <laughs> and a windshield wiper with hell. And some good tires. You think having state inspections, God. Don't you know that? <laughs> Jesus, you make an intercession, tell them. <laughs> and the thing about it, the Bible says in Psalms 139, he knows our thoughts are far off. And, and I'm telling you, I get on, I get on people this, about this all the time. We sit down and we eat meals, and I'm going off way off in right field. We sit down for a meal, and we do this. You know, we sit in a restaurant, or we do it at home, and they put our food in front of us, and we go, amen. Was that a prayer? That's not a prayer. That's a thought. He knows my thoughts. A prayer is, Lord, I thank you for this food you have given me to receive. Because guess what? The enemy don't know my thoughts. I'm speaking because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't have to come to church to hear the word of God when you are riding in your car and you speak the word Faith comes by your hearing and by you speaking the word of God. So when you speak over your food and you say, I declare that all impurities, it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So anyway, my next point is. <laughs> so my next point is. Getting back to Elijah and Elijah. You know, can I have that slide up here? No, not that one. The one before that. You know what you asked for. You know what you saw. You know what God did. Don't let anyone change that. Even if you haven't seen what God did already. And as a matter of fact, I've said this before, my peace is my past. My peace is my past. How can you say that? Because I've seen God do it for me before. God got me out of that jam before. 
Maybe not that jam, but he got me out of stuff before. So my peace is my fast. I know you know what you asked for. And I know what I've seen God do. And I know what God did. And don't let anybody change that. Write this down, Luke 2 and 36. Luke 2 and 2 and 36, there was a woman named Anna who was a prophetess. Said she was a virgin when she married her husband. They were married for 70 years, and then she was a virgin. Um, says that she lived in the temple and did not depart the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers day and night until the Messiah was coming. That was her calling. How many of us get down it's like, man, I'm gonna get down. I'm gonna get down. I'm gonna have some prayer time, and we're like, mm. I'm not gonna pray about. Mm. Mm. I don't know what to pray about. <laughs> Anybody ever had that problem? <laughs> man, we're not. No, I prayed about that yesterday. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but that was the discipline for her life. But sometimes we have to know that we want to jump over and say, man, you know, they they paying, they paying a little bit more over here, man. I know, I know they paying ten, ten you making what, ten dollars an hour? Man, they paying twelve dollars over here. It's like, really? Yeah, man. Hey, boss, I'm getting my two-week notice. I'm going over there. They're paying $20 an hour. You going to pay me $12 an hour? No, man. Uh, okay, so they pay $12 an hour over here. Y'all don't work weekends. No, we don't work weekends. All right, man. Well, we'll see you Monday. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, when can you start? I can start today. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we had a guy that called in. Uh, He's going to be out for a while, so we need you to fill his shift. Okay, fine. When's his shift? He starts at 10 o'clock at night, and he works until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. No, man, I don't work nights. <laughs> Did you pray about that move? Did you pray about that move? No, you weren't disciplined. Another discipline, and some don't want to hear this, or should I say some don't like to hear this, the Bible says, and I said it earlier, he that finds a wife, excuse me, what does the scripture say? She that finds a husband finds a good thing. She that finds a husband finds a good thing. She that finds a husband finds a good thing. Okay, my second point is, <laughs> women, adorn yourself. Live holy, and your husband will find you. And I joke, Pastor Wendy, um, when I was sitting in the pastor's office, and the woman said, I was sitting there in the chair, 
and the, and the door was right there, and the woman walked in, and she said, Wendy, remember the young man I told you about that I wanted to introduce you to? And she said, yeah. It's like, well, this is him. She said, okay. <laughs> and she walked right back out. Point number two. She want a bit more. Number two. Be obedient to God's specific directions for your life. Specific directions for your life. Again, 2 Kings, we're going to go from chapter 2 to chapter 5. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Starting from verse 1 through verse 3. Y'all getting anything out of this? The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through Aram was, excuse me, but though Aram was a mighty war, warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At that time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her, her mistress, I wish my master would go to the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of leprosy. Now, here's what happened. The king of Aram sent a letter to the king of Israel. And that just created a problem. He sent all this gold, this silver, and sent a letter. like, hey, won't you heal this servant of mine? And the king's like, why are you sending him to me? Who am I, God? And he tore his clothes. I think you're trying to start a fight. It's like, hold up, hold up. That wasn't the case at all. So we're going to pick up again from there at verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha. Now, and Elisha has what? The double portion that he had asked for. <laughs> but, but, okay. but Elisha sent a message out to him with this, a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought you were certain to come out to meet me, he said. I expect to be wave, to wave his hand over me, over the leprosy, and call on the name of the Lord, his God, to heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't you wash you? Ah, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned around and went away in rage. But the officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you shouldn't certainly obey him when he says something simple. Go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. God can tell us to do the simplest of 
things. And I say this over and over again. Go over there and speak to that person. I was on a Zoom call Thursday night. And, and I say this over and over again. I've never seen this young lady before in my life. I don't know when was the last time she ate. I don't know what kind of traffic she had to go through to get here. I don't know when was the last time she was in an argument with anybody. And I'm not trying to speak anything up. We don't know what anyone had to go through in the, in the moments leading up to the time that we see them. People now more than ever, you don't know who's died from COVID. You don't know who's having difficulty, difficulty with a pregnancy, who just got in a car accident. People are going through. And, and I thought about it even when Sister Holly walked through the door this morning. And, you know, we love each other. We love each other. But we even have to be careful that even when we love on each other, that the first thing that comes up out of our mouth is we want to crack on each other. That person may not be, it may not be the right time. It may not be the right time. So we have to be sensitive to what God is telling us. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It may not be the right time. I remember one time uh, years ago, you know, Pastor Wendy, I call her, you know, every day at lunchtime just to call her. Hey, how you doing, baby? How's your day going and everything? And one day I called her and just as soon as the words came out of my mouth, you know, it was almost like, hey, you know, Joe's Chinese shop, you know, whatever. And I knew she hadn't even responded that something was wrong and that was you know the dog she came home and the dog was unresponsive but she hadn't even said a word she hadn't even said a word but I knew in my spirit that something was wrong but there are so many things that we have to be in tune with God because guess what guess what if we will open up our godly holy ghost spirit filled email guess what you know that thing in our email that says unread or unopened email? We would find so many unread emails from God. <laughs> and it's like, God, I ain't got that. And God's like, I sent you an email. <laughs> it's like, I ain't got well, hit, hit refresh. <laughs> I ain't get the sickness. Okay. And then finally, my last point is this, the blessing, the blessing. And I'm going to change up. I'm going to read this one from the New King James Version, because for me, it just has a little more meat to it, the blessing. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, the, the New Living Translation says you'll have plenty to eat, which is, you know, substance, food. But I, th I like to think of in my way. I'm not trying to take away. 
he, he changing the word of God around. No, I'm not doing that. But I'm thinking the good of the land. I'm thinking of prosperity. I'm thinking that there's a roof over my head and money in my bank and clothes and, and you know, everything that I need in life. I'm, I'm thinking of good health because I want that. My dad lived to be 95. He ain't exercise or do nothing. <laughs> nothing more than his walker going across the floor. I mean, I'm not making fun of him, but that's what I think of good of the land. But can you put that scripture back up there again? But I want to I want to focus on two words, willing and obedient. Because sometimes we're obedient, but we're not willing. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. It's like, excuse me, if you're going to do it with an attitude, then I don't I, I don't need you. I'll get somebody else. If, if your heart's not in it, I don't, I don't need it. I, I, I don't need it. I, I, I did a little research. We think of, of Middle Eastern countries where young girls are forced to marry men, older men. Do you know in the state of Massachusetts, a girl with her parents' consent can marry a man at 12 years old? In Massachusetts, in the great United States of America, a 12-year-old girl. Now, you might say, well, if she's willing... But just suppose how many 12-year-old girls, and I'm not going to say, and, and, I, and I say this to, to uh, my, my uh, Pastor Wendy's um, great nephews. Yeah, people will call you young man out of respect, but you're still a boy. You're only 11. You're, you're still a boy. So... I, some some people call you young man, but you're still a boy. But how many girls do you think at 12 can balance a checkbook or know how to invest in a portfolio? But their parents can manipulate them into a situation at 12 to marry a man who perhaps has a lot of money. That's obedience, uh, an obedience, but is there a willingness? And I know I'm, I'm kind of going off, but, but you understand God is looking for willingness and obedience. And then we can eat. We can have obedience. We can have the good of the land. So that's what makes that's what makes a good disciple. That's what makes a good disciple. And and I don't I may uh, I may step on some toes. But I remember back in the there was a time when I and I'm I'm going to pick on myself when 
it was time for the offering. And I would go up to the table and I would put a $20 bill down and I would say, give me 10 back. And that's what we used to do. And you know what the Lord said? He said, that's a sacred offering. And when you ask for money back, you're telling God that you were not prepared to offer me. You came to the altar half cocked. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because in, in the Old Testament, when they were giving offerings, I mean, they had to bring the grain. They had to bring the, the turtles. I mean, all that they had to do to bring an offering. And what do we do? We br- I'm just saying men. I don't know about the women. But we reach in our pocket. We pull out, you know, our money. We put it on the table. It's, it's easy. It's simple. And I'm saying when you deal with cash. But then we have the audacity to put the money on the table and then or put it in the basket and say, well, but I want cash back. When we should be going to God in prayer saying, Lord, what amount should I be giving? We have not properly prepared our hearts to say, Lord, what should I be doing? But no, we're saying, no, let me put some in. Let me get something back out. <laughs> there is <laughs> there is. I'm willing, but I'm not obedient. I'm done. All right, y'all, so let's pray. (laughs) I'm going to leave on that note. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word on today. Your word is living and is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrows, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your word sees us. You have given man the ability to do liposcopic surgery that they don't have to make incisions and pull us open. They can go inside of us and not leave these big scars. But, Lord, your word can go inside of us without even making an incision. And, Lord, you were there to do it and even to remove the scars because you want to heal us. From our wounds. Because yes Lord. We have made. Poor decisions. Because why. We have not been disciplined. In 
following your instructions. There have been consequences. So, Father, we come to you now. And, Lord, we thank you that you're not the parent who's standing by the window or sitting on the couch waiting for us to come in, asking where have we been. But you're like the father and the prodigal son. And it was not customary that the older father would run. The father broke tradition when he ran to his son. He broke tradition, but he loved his son. And he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And Lord, every day, every day, Lord, you love on us. And I'm not saying that we miss it and, and go way off and left field. But it's just, Lord, when we miss opportunities just to commune with you. When we could just turn the TV off. Sometimes it's, it's not even, it's, it's, it's not even listening to a gospel song. Sometimes, Lord, it's just, can we talk? It's your spirit saying, can we talk? Because you've heard that song before. I know what you're thinking. I want to hear you say it. I want to hear it out your lips. Because there's some things you need to hear from me. We know you're a good father. We wouldn't be here if you weren't. Father, we thank you, we honor you, we praise you for those here in the building and those who are watching on social media. For whatever reason, they're not here. We do not stand here condemning anyone. Because even Jesus said, where are your accusers? Let him who is among you without sin, let them cast the first stone. Lord, we, we don't accuse anyone. We only desire their fellowship. And for those who are under the weather, we pray their healing. We pray for those, Lord, who, because of whatever reason, have strayed away from you, that they would be restored whether it been because of COVID or because of some church hurt. I know that I have hurt people by things I've said and things I've done. 
I pray a releasing in the atmosphere right now for church hurt. I speak a releasing right now, Lord, because we have to account to you and not to one another. I pray a releasing, a releasing from anyone who's been hurt by the body of Christ. I mm. If you have been hurt by the body of Christ, I command you to release that hurt. You may never see that person again, but I command you release that hurt right now in Jesus' name. Whether you return to that body, that local assembly or not, be healed in Jesus' name. Because your purpose and your calling the, the word says the, the calling and the repentance of God or the calling of God is without repentance. Yes. So we thank you, Lord. And for those who do not know Jesus and the pardon of their sins, wherever you are, just call his name. Say, Lord, come into my heart. I can't do it without you. I need you. I don't know you like I should or like I used to know you. Just come into my heart. We love you. We honor you, Lord. 